This is Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. Every week, we review an episode of the cult classic time travel series and decide whether it holds up to present day viewing. And hopefully, we'll entertain you along the way. Be sure to check us out on our website, fwwquantumleappod.com, and also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Fate's Wide Wheel. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome. We're back. Uh, we've uh, we've been able to pick up our pace once again. Now that I've said that, of course, it'll be like another six weeks before something we will skew. Yeah, thing, you've but, cursed us. What have you uh, done? I know. Uh. Right. Well, it's it's like I said, the B man. Uh, Thank you all for for joining us. Um, you, you know, as you've heard me say multiple times recently, we are truly in the home stretch. And, Five more and, episodes, and, including this yeah, one. Yeah, man, crazy. I, I'm, I I I was thinking about it earlier. It's just sort of like, what what are we gonna do when we're done? <laughs> I, I, I I don't know. I got like I said, um, um, I got plans for the website. Like I want to put in some cool new features on it. Like once we go back there, get the episodes on there. Yeah. And, and loop in some features, so... Uh, totally. Yeah. So and the, they still, the, you know, I mean, as we've talked about, I think we, we do plan on covering the novels, but that'll oh, yeah. probably be done at a much slower pace. At a slower pace, know. yeah. Pick up, I, mean, I don't yeah. know, the novels are a fast read. I don't know. They are fast read. That's true. That is very, very true. Um, but I but feel yeah, like there's I, a lot more to unpack in the novels, though. Yeah, yeah. Because almost think, every novel, like, really digs into the mythology of the characters, so... We can have a lot more to, right. to have fun with there. But yeah. Right, right, right. And it'll be fun. We, we've talked about this before off mic to have a couple of episodes that maybe we revisit um, to, to maybe, you know, do a couple of like top tens or, you know, favorite oh, sure. seasons, you know, stuff like that. So there's certainly, you know, we, we have some tentative plans uh, for what's next, but it does feel a little uh, odd to be to be staring the, the end of the series in the face and know that. This is what we've been working for for a little over three years it's now. It's been, yeah. <laughs> Not quite as long as the series, but yeah. We right. should say a little bit of a tangent here. We are recording this on October the 9th. It is Scott Bakula's birthday. That's right. 66. Happy, 66 years old today. Happy, happy birthday to Scott Bakula. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting um, because I was thinking about earlier... The fact that uh, it's also John Lennon's birthday today, um, as that well as his right. youngest son, Sean's birthday. Sean was born on the same day that he was. Um, and that and that, you know, he would have been 80 years old today. And then this December, mm-hmm. it will be um, 40 years since he was killed. Um, so it's basically he lived the, the, the number of years that he was on this earth will now be matched by the number of years he hasn't been on this earth. This year, yeah, I did yeah. not realize that he was only forty when he passed away. Yeah. Once you turn forty, Sam, time just gets so skewed. <laughs> I'm like, I'm I'm older than John Lennon was when he passed away, and what the fuck am I doing with my life? Well, to be fair, I think about this. I, I actually think about this more than I probably should. But with the Beatles, you have to remember they accomplished everything that they accomplished. They were done as a band before they were 30. All four of them were under 30 when the band broke up. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway. Now that I've said that, I actually I'm thinking maybe that's not true. Maybe Ringo, maybe Ringo was was a little older. Maybe but, a little uh, older. I don't. Yeah. But 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 point point being that that three of those guys, uh, no, even Ringo, even because Ringo was born in '40 as well. So all all of them, the band broke up by the time they were 30. Most of them were under the age of 30. We got a lot of work to catch up. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we are here to talk about someone else who unfortunately passed away uh, far too young. Uh, Quality this episode segue. Quality is... segue. <laughs> Goodbye, Norma Jean. Um, of course, that Norma Jean is, is Marilyn Monroe. Uh, this episode uh, was directed by Christopher Hibbler, which is a name that we've heard before. Um, he had also done, uh, let's see, just most recently, uh, Tale of Two Sweeties. Um, and then he uh, had also directed Starlight, Star Bright, and Temptation Eyes. Um, I am going to just go out on a limb here and say that his first two outings were better than his last two outings. Ooh, ouch. Although, I don't think that's due to his direction, because this episode actually has some really, like, cool shots. There are a couple of really neat follow shots. There's some, like, stuff at the party at Peter Lawford's that I thought was handled really well. There's some other stuff that's done really, really well. Um, All the stuff that's outdoors on location at Griffith Griffith Observatory looks really good. Um, But, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. When you you shoot in Hollywood, when you shoot in Hollywood, (laughs) and it takes place in Hollywood, you can do location shoots, right? And they and they look good. Yeah, Um, we're here with uh, season five favorite Richard C. Oakey as the writer. Um, Other episodes that he has written include Return of the Evil Leaper, Starlight, Star Bright, Leaping of the Shrew, and uh, not a, a season five episode, but a single drop of rain. He'll go on to write one more after this, uh, The Leap Between the States. Uh, and then our air date was March 2nd, 1993. Our leap date is April the 4th, 1960. Sam has leapt into Dennis Boardman. And as Dennis just mentioned, we are in Hollywood, California. Yes, we are. TV Guide Description. TV Guide Description. <laughs> Sam leaps into a chauffeur who must prevent the untimely end of his famously unstable boss... Marilyn Monroe, played by Susan, Gr- Susan Griffiths. Griffith, Griffiths. Yeah, there's an mouthful right there. F-F-F. Wow. Yes. Uh, and usually <laughs> in, in, well. other, uh, in other countries, um, pretty much across the board, it was all called some variation on Goodbye, Norma Jean. So nothing too exciting. Um, in promotional material for the show here in the U.S., it was uh, called For the Love of Marilyn. All right, then. Yeah. And so Sam leaps in. Some uh, fangirl is, is asking what it's like to be with the real her every day. And, of course, Sam has no idea who he is talking about. And then out comes Marilyn. He immediately recognizes her. And she gets in the car. And this line has always stuck with me <laughs> for obvious reasons. Come yes. on, Dennis. Take me away from all this. <laughs> This is like the, uh, you brought this up before, I can't remember if it was on mic or not, but like this is like the episode. Sam, Dennis, Sam leaps into Dennis. Total inception right here. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, you know, this episode is, is a little difficult in, in some ways, I feel like, because overall, I, I don't rate this episode very highly. But I think one of the frustrating things about the episode is it gets a lot right, 
and you, know, you and I were just talking about this before we started recording. I think that this is one of the things that it gets right, actually. Um, I, I, I like the, you know, the, the disorientation that Sam experiences right off the bat, which is not necessarily out of the norm, but I feel like it's not something we've seen a whole lot at this, you know, this level of just sort of like all of a sudden, like, oh, people are talking to me. I'm, you know, what's happening? I have to make shit up. I, you know, it's, and it's not life or death. Um, and then, uh, when Marilyn comes out, you know, it's, it wasn't a surprise. I mean, we knew that this was the Marilyn Monroe episode. Um, but I think it lands well. Susan Griffiths obviously looks the part to a T. Uh, it's a nice moment. And Sam's Oh Boy is handled really well. It is then undercut completely by that fucking season five theme song. Because <laughs> he, like, gives this boyish, like, this boyish kind of, like, oh, my gosh, like, that's Marilyn Monroe. And then all of a sudden it's... da 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 Yeah. 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 Wait, what, 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 what are we going to do about that poor theme song? I don't know. <laughs> um, but I do, I do like this uh, opening moment. I do like the leap in. I think that it's, it's handled well. Um, you know, once, once we get back, almost right away, things start to take a bit of a turn. And I, I, personally, one of the things that makes this episode difficult is, is Al. Yes, there's a weird because we're coming up on we're just a few days before her passing, but this there's a weird tonal shift in the way Al is written. Of um, yeah, um, we know she's about to die in a few days. We need to take that very seriously, but also Al being Al, uh, sexualizing her at every single turn. It's just a weird. I mean, especially like trying to set up the comedy of of the swimming pool scene. Yeah, coming yep. up in a few scenes where it's kind of you think it's something serious maybe for a minute, and then it's like, oh no, she's just skinny dipping in the pool, and Al wanted to make sure that Sam saw it. Yeah, right. yeah, well, and 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 even Sam's voiceover as he's driving the car, that voiceover, in my opinion, kind of encapsulates the episode because it starts out really great. It's it's it, there's something like nostalgic about it. There's something you know. It's almost like a Wonder Years monologue, and then all of a sudden, it just the end of it. It just falls apart, and it just sounds so like cliched and sure. poorly written. And it just yeah. you could almost you could almost sense Scott Bakula rolling his eyes as he's having to say some of this shit. It was like I uh, like I didn't remember like I remember the broad strokes of this episode. I didn't remember like the details, and I forgot that they had made. Sam, like, 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 so fond, and like, he had actually been a big fan of Marilyn Monroe. And I don't know how I feel about that choice. Right. Um, yeah, I just don't know if that was like the right choice. Like, even well, in, because- even, even in the monologue, like, having to explain, of like, well, I was too young for her when she was around. Like, I was too young to really know her, but then in college, I snuck off at the movies to blah, 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 to see her, blah, blah, blah. It seemed like they were driving a long way around the block. Yeah. To explain how Sam Beckett, genius, quantum physicist, young for his ears, Doogie Hauser esque going to school early, how he was a Marilyn Monroe fan. And that's yeah. like the, the thing that I took out of that monologue. Like one of the things immediately that I that I could 
you know, just say that would have been a better representation of Sam Beckett as we know him through this show and would have been far more interesting is if he wasn't a fan. If he knew of her, but that he didn't know her. And then so through the course of the episode, getting to know her in a way that no one else really could, I think would have been far more interesting. And then having Al as the one that did know all about her, that had seen all of her movies, you know, that 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 that, that Sam had to rely on Al in order to come up with what his favorite movie was. You know what I mean? Sure. And, you know, when he's asked about that, because it does clash a great deal with when Sam is asked by Barbara who his hero was. And he just answers without missing a beat. Albert Einstein. And it's like, the guy whose hero is Albert Einstein was sneaking out of college in order to go see Marilyn Monroe movies. And it's not necessarily incongruous, but it also does feel a little shoehorned. It does. And makes for, in my opinion, a far less interesting episode. Because then Sam just becomes yet another, you know, slack-jawed admirer of her beauty as opposed to, you know, someone that gets the chance to know her without having all of that other stuff carried into the equation. Yeah, I agree with that. And to me, it just it seemed like like that monologue went on for so long at the beginning of the episode. It was just yeah. like, oh, I mean, like, you, you could have... I remember a professor in college always telling me, like, whenever, you, whenever there's a monologue in a TV show, it's just lazy writing. Yeah. A voiceover monologue. And, like, right. we, we could have just had a first scene with, like, him and Marilyn in the car. Yeah. I yes. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I would have been fine with, with that because it's, it, it, it is, um, it, what it, it does also, in my opinion, is it lends itself to the continued objectification and sexualization of Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and really, it's like Al even has a line shortly after this where he says, I'm going to do a lot of observing on this leap in a very, you know, salacious kind of manner. And it's like in one line, Al sums up one of the things that destroyed the real life person, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Is the fact that that's what she was seen as. That's all that she was good for that, you know, and, and this episode, it feels so at odds because there are attempts to see the real person, but they feel very undercut by the fact that her beauty continues to be remarked upon you know, Al continues to come in with some sort of lewd, lascivious comments on occasion. And it just, and, and I think that it undercuts maybe the better intentions of the writer sure. and of the actors. Sure. Because I will say this, for the most part, any scenes with just Scott and Susan are great. They're really well done. I would agree with that. And, and to go back to your point, like when Al says that line, I'm going to be doing a lot of observing on the sleep. Like, this comes less than 30 seconds after it's dropped that were just a few days before Marilyn's death. Right. And I was like, oh, good God. <laughs> yeah. Um, and sometimes I feel like, because I know uh, Don Belisario has said that, like, Al is basically like his alter ego on the show, especially like, like of his lascivious womanizing nature. And I just felt Don Belisario bleeding through. Yeah this entire thing. Um, yeah. Well, and the thing is to, not to harp on it, but with that voiceover, there's so, it feels as though there's a lot of self-importance, not in, for Sam, but in, like, the writer. 
Like it's like the it's like the writer in the, of the episode is setting himself up to say like this is an important story that must be told about you know the day we all lost Marilyn Monroe and it's like, dude, like even in '93, like we knew, like we got it, like it was not. It's not like you were telling people something they didn't know. Yeah, yeah, you know. And maybe maybe this is a way to 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 shift it more towards uh, uh, something more positive. What did you know of Marilyn Monroe when you first saw this episode as a kid? Um, that that is that that is a great question. What did I know of Marilyn Monroe when I first saw this episode? Um, I mean, at that point in time, I was aware of of who she had been. Um, you know, I think I had actually, I was just shy of being 12. I think I had actually seen a couple of her movies, you know, probably not all the way through. Um, but it was easy to be aware of who she was growing up, you know, the son of baby boomers. And, um, I think it was, she was, you know, she was hard to get away from. She was still on the covers of magazines. She was still on the, you know what I mean? Like you just... You, you saw her in every, you know, every checkout aisle, every tabloid still had, you know, doctored photos of her in old age, along with Elvis and JFK saying the three of them were living together on some island. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I had an awareness. It was it was still a couple of years off. And maybe this episode actually even contributed to that a little bit. But I feel like I was still a couple of years off before I really got into her. Um but but it was around this time when, uh, like I said, I certainly knew who she was. I knew who James Dean was. I knew, you know, I was starting to gravitate towards a lot of that. I watched a lot of American movie classics, you know, even as like an 11-year-old boy. I think I think by this time I probably had already seen Rebel Without a Cause, for instance. Um, you know, by the time I was 16 or 17, I'd read, I'd, I'd read a biography about her uh, by a guy named Donald Spato. I'd seen most of her movies. I, you know, by that time, I really, I really knew who she was. Um, but by this time, I just, you know, I think there was probably more just an awareness. Uh, and I could visibly identify her. I could hear the sound of her voice. You know what I mean? That sort of thing. Sure. Uh, what about you? I would feel very much the same. Like, she was a pop culture icon who had died tragically. Um. But yeah, that's about it. I mean, and like, I, uh, I'll be honest, the only Marilyn Monroe movie I have seen all the way through is Some Like It Hot. And I did not see that until 2014. Yeah. I watched it on, uh, it was like an in-flight movie that was being offered on the airline when Betsy and I were coming home from Ireland. Uh, nice. I really, I really enjoyed the movie, but yeah, that's the only Marilyn Monroe movie I've seen all the way through. Like, I, I just know her as a pop culture icon, like the famous shot of uh, of the wind blowing up her dress. Yes, um, uh, from from the from the great. What is that? Was that actually? Was it from a commercial? What was that actually from? Uh, no, that's from Seven Year Itch, I believe. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Um, a commercial, like the celebrities did commercials back in the whatever, 50, 60. Anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, that, that's what I knew of her, that she had died tragically. So I knew that the episode would probably revolve around her passing away. Um, yeah. And maybe from that to shift into, now we know in the original history, in, I'm sorry, reality, Marilyn did not pass away for another two years. Right. She passed away in August of 1962. I did not know that as a kid. 
Mm. So to mm. me, it was a, it was a twist at the end of the episode, very similar to the twist at the end of Lee Harvey Oswald, where we learned that Sam's Sam and Al's reality is not necessarily our own reality, but he is shifting it to what is our current reality. Right. Me, when I was younger, that was a twist at the end of the episode. And I wonder if that's what the writers and the producers of the episode were counting on when they did this episode. Like they were, they were, they were anticipating the average viewer to know that Marilyn Monroe obviously had tragically passed away from a drug overdose at some point, but they don't exactly remember what the date is. And so the twist at the end of the episode is it, it, it is what it is. It's an actual twist. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and, and I, and I feel like one of the, one of the things that really lends credence to that is the fact that the date is not discussed a lot, nor is the year. The only tip-offs that I feel like you would really, really get if you were an astute, you know, viewer uh, and knew uh, obviously a lot uh, about Maryland and, and, and dates and that sort of stuff is that you would know by the mentions of the senator from Massachusetts that he was president when she died. You would know that she did actually make the misfits. Um, although it's not actually, I don't think it. No, we do get the we do get the title drop at one point. We don't uh, get the title, Al, I believe. We don't get the title drop until the end because we don't. Okay, they, because the, the the twist is is that they call it the Misfits because of something that Sam says to Marilyn earlier in the episode. Right, but they don't which, actually. Let's just, yeah, let's just get a couple things out of the way right off the bat, which I feel like you know I think are necessary to understand the the nature of this episode as a whole. Is that at this particular point in time, Marilyn Monroe was married to Arthur Miller. Arthur Miller had actually written the script for the Misfits for her. Um, it was a Valentine's Day present, um, which would have been two months prior to this episode taking place. Um, their marriage, while not necessarily, you know, the love affair of the century or anything, was not nearly as on the rocks as it would be, you know, towards the end of this year and the beginning of the following year. And they would end up divorcing, uh, I believe, not too long before she died. Um, yeah, I was in 61. But, uh, so we know, we know that, that again, that the movie was already titled the misfits, that it was written for her by her then husband, that she was indeed married at this time. None of those things are touched upon. Arthur Miller doesn't enter the picture at all. Yeah. Um, you know, no mention of, of, of any of those things. Um, the other thing that is interesting is at this particular point in her career, she was already kind of seen as a bit of a risk um, mm-hmm. for directors. Um, for instance, one of the great kind of what ifs is that she originally, uh, Truman Capote and uh, you know some folks in Hollywood were lobbying, lobbying hard for her to get the role of Holly Golightly in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Truman Capote said that when he wrote Breakfast at Tiffany's, he had her in mind. Um, while he wrote the short story, so when it was going to be turned into a film, he felt like she should be the one to play the role. Um, and the chief reason that she did not get it, and it went to Audrey Hepburn instead, is because they felt like they wouldn't be able to trust that they could complete the production on time in a professional manner, and you know they wanted to go with somebody reliable. So she was already seen as someone that wasn't um, wasn't reliable. Um, 
you know, with the Misfits, it was a different story because, like I said, her husband wrote it. You know, John Huston loved her, um, had worked with her before uh, on the Asphalt Jungle. Um, you, you know, I think Clark Gable was already. I mean, this was his last film as well. Um, so it was, you know, and she had she had issues during, you know, during the filming of that movie. Um, you know, there are some stories out there, whether they're apocryphal or not, that that she literally had to have makeup applied in the mornings while she was still passed out from the night before. Wow. You know, she would she would you know basically be practically carried into the trailer. They'd put her makeup on, you know, give her a cup of coffee and push her out onto the movie set, and then she turned it on. So, you know, it, it, it's a very different picture of Marilyn compared to the one that we are given in this in this episode. Both, you know, with the circumstances of her life and, of course, the circumstances of her own, you know, personal well being. Yeah, I mean, like you said, when we were texting back and forth earlier today. It's like you have to treat this episode. It's like its own little like fairy tale, a little bit outside right. of reality, because yeah, they don't address it. Um, it is uh, Matt Dale. He does note in his book that an earlier draft script uh, does actually mention Arthur Miller. Like he's at least mentioned in passing. He's acknowledged mm-hmm. where he's not even brought up at all in this episode. Yeah. So, so yeah. So where do we leave off plot-wise? Uh, Al is going to go off. He's going to do some double-checking with Ziggy to make sure to see if he's actually there to save Marilyn yeah. from, from, from dying. Um, it's worth noting that when they first mention her death in the episode, they flat-out call it a suicide. Yes. And I couldn't remember if it was ever thought of that way because I had always thought of it as as an overdose. I didn't know if anybody ever intentionally thought it was a suicide, but then looking stuff up, I think it was that it was originally found to be a suicide. Yeah. The, 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 the main reason is that because the amount um, of drugs in her system were beyond lethal and that the, that the idea being that, you know, she would not have taken that many pills. had she not intended to kill herself. Sure. Um. Yeah, it was it it was it was ruled a suicide, and 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 even though it has still been, uh, you know, contested even up until this day, that officially, uh, I believe in 1982, um, there was uh, an investigation that was opened, um, by the district attorney, or or no, maybe it was, yeah, he 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 conducted a threshold investigation just to see if there was any evidence to reopen the case, and they ruled that that. It, that there wasn't that um and and that her doctors at the time even said that she was you know prone to depression and um you know had had clearly suffered from mental health issues the majority of her life and that you know this was just one of those cases where access and and ability just played a part and she you know she just took the pills and that was that sure um you know and she was drinking on them as well so um, I tried to find some information just because of based off of what we see in this episode, if there had been any other, uh, overdoses, um, on record and I yeah. couldn't find any other information on any other overdoses or anything. So it seems to me that, you know, this, this was probably someone who was fairly, you know, up until her final years, fairly functional mm-hmm. as, as, as an addict and, and that, and that, yeah, she would have known how much to take and how much to drink and, you know, how much not to. And that obviously if she took this much, she probably did have the intent to, to kill herself. Sure. Yeah. An article that I found was saying that 
it, it was kind of shocking because, and actually in the months leading up to, to her passing, suicide or not, um, it looked like she was starting to like get erect together and she was starting mm-hmm. to turn things around. Um, so it was somewhat surprising when, you know, when she was found to have taken her own life. Yeah. 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 I, I, you know, I think that one of the things too, that probably, um, was a, was a big blow at the time though, is that she had just been fired, um, from a movie. Um, and you know, and she was going to be sued for breach of contract. Um, you know, I think it was like almost a million dollars or something like that. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I can't, I can't, um, I can't say for certain. I know based again, based on a lot of the stuff that I read that her health, uh, in general was pretty much in shambles at that point. Um, you know, she'd had to have, um, gallstones removed, her gallbladder removed actually due mm. to a recurrence of, you know, gallstones. She had done some detoxing. Um, you know, it wasn't the first time apparently there were other issues as well. Um, especially depression and, you know, her drinking had, had worsened quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I, that's, that's about where my knowledge ends. You know, I can't speak sure. specifically to, to what things were like, um, in, sure. in, in the last, you know, last month or so, but, um, yeah. And even now just like looking at an article and I was surprised that there wasn't more of this considering her connection to Kennedy. I was surprised there wasn't more conspiracy theories. Uh, but yeah, this article I read in the last paragraph, they, they drop a conspiracy theory concerning Robert Kennedy, which I won't even address, but, sure, uh, look, right. yeah, look at listeners, look it up if you, if you aren't so inclined. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, the thing is, is that when looking, when, you know, when looking at this human being and it's one of the things that I think the episode tries to get right, but doesn't, doesn't ultimately accomplish is that, you know, this was someone who had suffered from um, abuse, you know, early in her life, sexual abuse and physical abuse. Uh, her first husband was physically abusive with her. Um, you know, she was, uh, in all likelihood sexually assaulted many times, um, on her trip to stardom. Um, you know, she was used and abused and, and, and there were a lot of enablers around her. Um, and not even because of like, you know, like Elvis was somebody who had a lot of enablers around him, you know, people that wouldn't say no to him or whatever. And, 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 and that was because, you know, they could get a free ride or whatever, that sort of thing. But with Marilyn, it was always, you know, you know, they could get her into bed, they could get her to do this, they could get her to do that, that sort of thing. And so it's, 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 it's just worth noting that, you know, clearly someone with that, that kind of, um, history, uh, is certainly, and, and a mother who was, you know, committed to an asylum for, for mental health issues, uh, early on, you know, I mean, it's, it's, she's going to be prone to the kind of, of, of depression and the, and the kind of severe, um, state that could lead to something like this. Um, I think that, what, you know, one of the other things that you can't help but kind of take issue with, with this leap is it's like, really, Sam's there just to get her to complete a movie? Like, wouldn't it have been better to get her to seek professional help and, you know, like... I know, yeah, and it's like... That's what he's there to do. I know, like, even in that, it's like this objectification carries through. Like, she is there, like you said, to do one more movie. Yeah. And, and, and just struggle for another couple of couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, let, let, let's let's dive into the story that they actually gave us. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Did you mean the story that All About Eve gave us? All or? About Eve, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I can't remember. I think it was about maybe 12, 14 years ago I, I learned. I've never seen What About Eve, but I just, like, I learned of the plot of What About Eve. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I immediately thought of this episode. I was like, God damn it. That's... Yeah. This yep. episode just ripped off the plot of What About Eve? That's, ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, which, of course, Marilyn Monroe has a small, a small part in. Uh, it, was one of her, it was one of her earliest roles, actually. Um, so, yeah, it definitely really comes full circle. But, yeah, but yeah, I, I think that uh, uh, when, we, when we first meet Barbara... Uh, at the house, I don't know, Dennis. What did you What did you think? <laughs> I don't know. I, I what did you to, think I, in 1993, and what do you think now? <laughs> uh, I, um, I just wanted to make a little uh, a note here. I have a little bit of an internet connect if connectivity issue. Um, so if I suddenly stop answering for a little bit, which has happened a couple times, that's why. Um, and you can decide whether or not to fix that in, in, in post I'll, or whatever. I'll fix it in post. Uh, or fix it in post, not, but or either not, way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so when I was a kid like i took barbara at her word because mm-hmm. why would i not um sure. if i were coming to this episode for the first time as an adult i would probably immediately suspect her especially when we come up on the scene where she not subtly manipulates her way into getting Marilyn to go to the party that she wanted to skip and then yeah doing this reverse psychology thing to to be able to get to go to the party with yeah. Marilyn. um yeah, I feel like we were, I think we were talking about this off mic before we start recording. Like, I wish they would have picked one or the other, as far as yes. plot lines go. Like, explore yes, exactly. like what Marilyn was as a person, or jump back to a time earlier in her career. Like, maybe before. Well, it wouldn't work before she got famous, but jump back to a time earlier in her career where like her death is not the thing, and that's the problem. Once you bring Marilyn's death into the picture, that trumps everything else. Yep. So this just yeah. seems like this seems like just like a really silly storyline that's killing time. And right. they could have done some really good things. Like the just in itself, like the scene with Barbara where she's at Marilyn's home by herself and we see her trying on one of Marilyn's like dresses or coats or whatever and she yeah. has her hair done up all fancy. It's not done in the plain way that she wears most of the rest of the episode. Like that is a chilling scene. Yeah. The scene where Sam tries to out her and she totally reverses course and yeah. denies the story that Sam that, that she told Sam earlier, that's a really good scene. Yes, I agree. I agree. And one of the reasons why I like that scene, too, I'll just add, is that uh, I love the fact that it comes so soon after Sam and Marilyn have kind of had their, their rift. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, it just it plays perfectly. You know, of course... You know, Marilyn's pissed at Sam right now, so why wouldn't she believe what this girl's telling her? You know, I feel like had it come any other time in the episode, Marilyn would have been like on you know Sam slash Dennis's side. But because of when it falls, like it it, it is really well done. Um, which again, that's the frustrating thing. You have these great moments that are undercut by you know this this weird. It's 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 as though they 
everyone was so captivated with with the myth of Marilyn that they had when they were boys, because the people writing, directing, and producing this episode would have been boys who, you know, whatever whatever you want to let your imagination run wild, sure, that's I how they you. would have felt about you. Marilyn when they were you. young. Yeah. And, and we're, now we're they were getting format, to make this... Luckily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now they were getting to make this episode, and so it, why wouldn't they, you know, put in their boyish fantasy of Marilyn along with this other stuff? Sure, I and mean, that's what I... It's, and that just, like, bleeds all the way through. Like, um, God, the, the really over-the-top scene where, where Sam tells Al that he, that he thinks he's falling for her. Yeah, at the Griffith Museum, or, yeah. or, or observatory, or whatever. Is it, yeah, and 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 just even probably like the grossest scene in the episode is when Marilyn basically throws herself at Sam after her almost overdose, right? And Sam almost thinking about giving in, and it's this yeah. weird like you can't try to look at her as a human being when you continue to objectify her throughout and you like I said it kind of plays into this boyhood fantasy of uh, what would it be like to have to turn down Marilyn Monroe right which only Sam would do so oh, sure sure <laughs> so we get yeah we get this fantasy of like yeah we get Marilyn Monroe offering herself to her but being the boy scout and not taking advantage of that Right. And saying no. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's weird. It's weird, too, because the thing about Sam's reaction to her is that he, like, I don't think that you could say that Sam doesn't see her as a sex symbol. I think he does. It's just that Sam also isn't going to take advantage of his position with her. He'll do that when he's, you know starring in Don Quixote and he meets his old piano teacher, but when sure. he has Marilyn Monroe in front of him, he's not going to take advantage. It would be another thing, though, if Sam truly was trying to see the human being. And the pool scene is a perfect example of that. Because it's one of those situations where you see someone who's like, oh, I'm not going to look, that would be wrong, even though I want to look. As opposed to I don't want to look. This isn't about that. There's something more here. It, it's just, it's a weird, I don't know. It's a weird thing. Mm-hmm. It's like Sam is just as infatuated with her as everyone else. But, you know, due to either the fact that he's the boy scout that he is, or he has this mission to complete, he's not going to give in to any temptation while he's there. Yeah. That's what Al's for. I, I think I just, I, I, I don't know. I can't articulate it exactly, but there's just something about that particular aspect of Sam being infatuated with her on one hand it's like of course why wouldn't he be but on the other hand it's far more interesting to me if he's not exactly yeah like you said he steps back he's a little bit more scientific he doesn't like he can understand why people fall for her but not actually fall for her himself right yeah but yeah anyway shift uh speaking of barbara maybe we should talk about the actor uh, Liz Vassy, yeah. who actually has a, has had a pretty prolific career. Um, yep. Probably more than, than your average Quantum Leap uh, co-star. Uh, won't go through the, the entire thing. Uh, most notably, she was on like five years of uh, CSI, um, which by that point I had already dropped off and, and, and wasn't watching the show anymore. Uh, and also on the short-lived uh, TV series, Necessary Roughness. 
<laughs> which I which I think is no relation to uh, to the Scott Bakula movie, but but it's funny. Um, but all the same, yeah, exactly. But, but all the same, yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, when I was a kid, Barbara's intentions seemed pure. Um, I, I think probably the average viewer now would probably see through it almost yeah. at the beginning of the episode. You know, another thing, real quick um, about. Uh, Liz Vassie that is, that is interesting and forgive me because I think we did have a quick connection drop out there so if you mentioned it I apologize but this is actually her second episode of Quantum Leap um, she was also in Raped uh, she played Paula Fletcher so uh, she's one of those rare oh my god uh, you're right you know yes. yeah, rare members of, uh, uh, of, of the Quantum Leap cast that uh, played more than one role Um I told yeah who, two, uh, two years uh, apart. Who, who was she in? Raped was she the the fiance of the of the rapist? Uh, Paula, uh, the, I believe I think, that is yes. I think she had to have been because yeah because I can think of all of the other major women characters in that episode, and yeah I think yeah it had yeah it had to be her. Yeah. Well, welcome um, back, Liz Vassy. So, yeah, I, I, but I completely agree that uh, it would have been, um, oh, here's something interesting, too. She was also in the film Calendar Girl, which came out uh, the same year as this episode. Calendar Girl was a, I'm not making this up, a Jason Priestley vehicle, which he starred in uh, about three uh, guys going out to Hollywood to fulfill their fantasy of meeting Marilyn Monroe. Um, and they did so right, like right before, uh, her death. I think, I think the movie actually takes place like just a few days beforehand or something. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, another, another interesting intersection here with, uh, with IMDb. Good old IMDb. It all comes back to Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. So from, uh, from there, after that first scene, do we get on to, um, we get on to the Griffith observatory scene, I think after that. Yeah, she wants to go out. Yeah, because uh, well, yeah. we talked about the pool scene already, which is the next morning. Oh, sure. Uh, you yeah. know, Sam has the quick you know voiceover about trying to keep up with Marilyn. She wants to party all night and you know drinking champagne, etc. Yeah. Um, it is. Maybe I don't know how. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say I don't know how true it was that she was always drinking champagne. I, I you know there there were a myriad of things. She was actually when she was found um, uh, after her death, she was found with like a large glass of sherry. Uh, mm. Beside her, so uh, whatever that's worth. But um, yeah, and then and then it is. Yeah, she goes out to the pool. We get that scene that we've already discussed, and then yeah, it's shortly after this where we get the the Griffith observatory yeah. scene. Yeah, it is worth uh, noting that apparently shooting that pool scene was very problematic because it was the middle of winter, and just Oof. and just what they had to do to keep the water in the pool warm for that scene. Oh, man. Uh, I, I can't imagine. And I also remember, I don't know if this was um, in Kiss with History, which was like the, the Quantum Leap documentary, but there was actually a, a scene that was deleted out of the episode, and they, they, they kind of show the making of that scene in the documentary of, of Al walking on the water, like looking down at Marilyn, and kind of like almost doing like this little, like little dance, traipsy kind of thing, yeah. uh, <laughs> looking down on Marilyn in the pool, on Marilyn in the pool, but then it ended up being... Uh, cut out for time. Um, but yeah, the pool scene, uh, yeah, the, the observatory scene of, of, uh, Sam kind of pushing his luck, uh, 
and getting a little bit too personal with Marilyn and revealing, like, you know, he, he knows a little bit too much. Right. Right, right, right. Which I feel like at this particular point in time wouldn't have been out of the question for people to know some of these things, you know. It sure. Was, uh, it, it wasn't necessarily as widely known, but, you know, Norma Jean was not necessarily a, a huge secret anymore. Um you know, so so I think knowing some of the things that he knew were, were not too out of uh, left field for her, but um, but he does try to get maybe a little too too close, a little too too intimate for the sure. for the driver. Yeah, yes, you're just <laughs> the you're just the driver. Yeah, uh, to which she goes off to have her own uh, moment, and then Sam and Al have their heart to heart about how he's. Falling for her, and uh, I, I do appreciate Al's line, "Welcome to the human race," because right, every every right. man who met her fell for her. I, I can appreciate that. Like I said, even even if we don't agree with the idea of, of, of Sam being in love with her, um, the scene was nice. It was well shot. Yeah, yeah. Again, I mean, you know, just just speaking directorially and, and with the, with the cinematography on the episode, I think that it you know there's some really wonderful camera work and, and there's some great moments, and this is certainly one of them. Um, it uh, this scene again, you know, I feel like so many of the scenes with just the two of them, uh, even if I'm not completely on board with with what's happening, um, they both do a great job. Um, you know, Susan Griffiths does such a good job in this episode that it, it does indeed make me want to maybe see some of her other work. Which, by the way, she only plays Marilyn Monroe. Sure, <laughs> but uh, but but she actually in an interview. With our with our friend over at the MacGyver Project, our friend I call him a friend. We've never met the guy. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, over at the MacGyver Project, actually did a, a quick uh, interview with her apparently, and um, she did um, mention that this was probably her favorite experience that she'd ever had. You know, one of her top two or three experiences playing Marilyn, um, and a lot of that had to do with Scott Bakula because he was just so kind, so giving, so you know. And she got to kiss him thirty two times. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's something yeah. Matt mentions in his book. Um, so you know another 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 win for for Scott, of course, just reaffirming what we already know about how awesome he is um and and it shows it just shows that you know clearly he had to know that he was working with someone that you know hadn't necessarily done a lot of this type of work that she'd done you know like a TV movie and maybe a couple other things or whatever, but that this was an opportunity you know, for her to, to do something maybe that she hadn't done before or whatever, and I think that um you know obviously when you're working. When you're working with an actor like Scott, I, I think it's pretty easy to be able to, to do some of your your best work, and uh, this is and this is certainly the case. Um, so I appreciate those scenes. Um, yeah, it's just I do I, I do feel like some of the stuff with Al, it's just too bad. It's too bad that the characters in in the episode were written in such a way that we had to continue to, you know, again, objectify and sexualize Marilyn as opposed to seeing her for the real human being, especially hot on the heels of a moment when she, you know, there's there's like this flash of vulnerability before she clearly withdraws and kind of has to go be off on her own. And no wonder, because, you know, here's another guy who's just going to pant over her. Yeah. For sure. Is it um, is it this or later that we get the reveal? No, it's it's later on when we see Barbara at home trying the stuff on. So I think yes. the next major scene, they come back and they uh, and they get ready to go to the party, which is Marilyn. Yep. Marilyn's going to skip. Barbara talks her into it. 
Oh, oh, I couldn't, I, I couldn't come along. I just, I have, I just couldn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, sure, then, sure yeah, you couldn't. Sure. And then we have the party, and then we have the, uh, the almost overdose. Um, yeah. It, it's worth noting that Peter Lawford, um, you know, was in, in, indeed a friend of hers. In fact, it's, it's very likely that Peter Lawford was literally the last person to speak to Marilyn Monroe alive. Mm. Um, she called him uh, on the phone, um, and, uh, you know, when they were talking, um, or, or he called her, I guess, because um, uh, he was having a party. And uh, uh, she, you know, basically said, say goodbye to everybody for me. Um, and, you know, and, and, and he could tell that she sounded a little out of it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, got off the phone and that was apparently the last phone call she ever had. Um, you know, Peter Lawford himself was a, um, you know, London-born actor um who you know worked in 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 hollywood um and was a part of the famous rat pack uh with frank sinatra and dean martin sammy davis jr uh he was the brother-in-law of course of uh, john f kennedy uh robert f kennedy and edward kennedy uh and of course all the kennedy women as well um you know it even remarks on his wikipedia page he was famous for being famous uh, he was not necessarily a you know a, a great actor or a or a bankable star or anything like that, but uh, he he was you know he was good enough uh, and uh, and he had famous friends, very famous friends. Um, but yeah, he did know. I mean, he knew Marilyn well, and and he was famous for his parties, just like Al says in, in the episode. Yeah. So yeah, then we have this uh, this almost overdose scene um and matt to bring it back around him he brings up an interesting thing in in the in his book it's that the circumstances around her original death are fishy because they only go to the party because marilyn uh, because barbara convinces her to go we skipped over but earlier in the episode sam is actually the one who talks marilyn into hiring barbara because he thinks it would be good to have someone else to watch over her so really, Sam causes the events that, that lead to going to the party and overdosing in the first place. So Sam saving her just sets everything back on track. Yeah. It's kind of weird. But again, uh, first draft. Don't yeah. Know, don't know if they really f- thought it through. Right. Right. Yeah. It. It, 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 yes, there are a number of things like you know that you do have to question. It's like is Sam's presence there, you know, causing these things? Uh, he, you know, he's the one that basically uh, convinces Marilyn to take on Barbara because she could use some help. Is that and you know what kind of causes everything that he then has to stop? Is that you know it's it, it is an interesting. I, I, I think again. There, there are things going on in this episode that don't necessarily work, and I just feel like if if they if it had a, l- a little bit more time, you know, mm-hmm. if there had been a little bit more thought put into some of these things, then they could have crafted some interesting stuff within the episode, including the possibility, the potential that Sam is the one responsible for her early death, you know, accidentally, and now he has to fix it. And I feel like you know that's something that we didn't get enough of in Quantum Leap. That would be fascinating if Sam's presence, if he makes a mistake early on, that then causes things to go awry, and then he. He has to fix them before he can leap out, as sure. opposed to it always being he leaps in, here's his mission, he fixes it, it's over with. And we know that there are a couple of other leaps where 
you know, that does happen sure. where he messes something up and has to fix it. But this feels like this feels like the speculation on fans' parts, which takes place on Al's Place message board in Matt's book right now as we're having this discussion. The speculation we're having is there because somebody didn't do their fucking job. Exactly. This is not this is not a case of like us being, you know, or sitting around saying like, oh, wouldn't it have been interesting if this is a case of us, you know, saying, hey, sure, you guys either missed this or, or willfully decided that we didn't, you know, we didn't need to know and you were wrong. Sure. They were just I mean, like, oh, meet Marilyn. Check. Yep. Have Marilyn overdose and almost die. Check. Yep. Have Marilyn make a pass at Sam and have Sam turn him da- have Sam turn her down. Check. Yep. Which happens the very next morning. Yeah. Which is just so... And, yeah. Like, maybe yeah, check her you into know, a hospital. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. We, we are, right, right? We, you know, we also, uh, worth mentioning, we also do meet uh, John Houston, uh, the director, mm-hmm. here for the first time, um, kind of in the background. Barbara's talking with who we can only assume is another young actor, um, you know, who offers to... to uh, you know, do whatever. Um, Barbara is obviously at the party. She's 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 trying to kind of, you know, get her way in already. Um, yeah. I, the other thing that's interesting too is that they make no bones about the fact that Peter Lawford immediately wants to take Marilyn up to his bedroom. Yep. Gets rid of Sam, you know, so that he could do so. Mm-hmm. And they go in. They close the door. There's a bodyguard standing outside the room. Moments later, you know, not moments, who knows exactly how much time has passed. You know, Sam has to rush up to try to save her because he's a doctor, damn it. Uh, she's in the bed, you know, passed out, no pulse, apparently. Uh, it's. I don't know what to make of that exactly, it's, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it's just a. Yeah, it's just an awkward. It's an awkward scene. It's weirdly acted. Um, yeah. I, I think it's one of those things like in an enclosed space. Uh, you know, we've talked about before in the last season. I don't think they did as much coverage. Like, they didn't shoot as many takes. They didn't, you know, have as many different sure. angles. It just, um, it did not come across as the intense scene as what it should have been. Right. Now, also, Sam, take I'll- her off the bed to administer CPR. <laughs> <laughs> now, one thing I will give the party scene, though, is that it does have some of that great camera work we were talking about. There's some great, like, follow shots. There's some just... Like, the party scene actually really works. It's one of those times where there have been moments in Quantum Leap before where he's supposed to be at a party or a wedding or whatever, etc., and there's, like, four people in the background. And and I'm not saying there's a ton of people at this party necessarily, but because of the camera work that's done and the way things are shot, it feels like a party. Sure. And, it, and, there's, and there's, there's a good sense of kind of that frenetic energy early on as Lawford is taking her up to the bedroom. So, um... So again, you know, I, I don't want to just sit here and say that this is the worst episode ever because it's definitely not. No, but, that was uh, last episode. We talked about yeah. it. <laughs> uh, but but it is, yeah, it is interesting. And of course, you know, again, going back to that in, enabler ideas that you know, come to find out that Peter Lawford has given her a couple of nebutals. You know, at this particular point in time when the episode aired, Peter Lawford had been dead for nine years. But you do kind of have to wonder, like if his family had gotten wind of this or, you know, anybody had seen it or whatever, how comfortable people would have been that this is the way that, oh, you know, God, Peter Lawford was point. being portrayed. Oh, sure. <laughs> Especially yeah. considering that apparently, according to everything that I've read, that they were, that they were actually friends, that it wasn't, that there wasn't any sort of like, 
you know, anything predatory going on between yeah. them, that they were genuinely friends. I mean, like I said, probably the last person she ever spoke to before she died was Peter Lawford, that Fair. it wasn't, you know, he wasn't preying on her. So, eh, you know, whatever. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so we get back home the next scene, and like we, we we've already discussed it, you know, Marilyn, like they don't know the real me. That's a costume up. It's a casimir sweater, I think, is what uh, what she says. Uh, you know, yeah. And then yeah. by the end of the scene, she throws herself at Sam. Sam doesn't. Well, Sam does want her, but he can't. He won't. And so that, like you said earlier, it kind of sets them at odds. So it sets up the later scene that when Barbara throws him under the bus that uh, doesn't throw him under the bus. He tries to confront her because Al comes back and we find out that Barbara Whitmore does not exist. Yeah. And that she's actually Tyrone, Ohio. No Tyrone. Yeah. There's a Tyrone, Kansas, but that's it. Uh, She had cooked up a story about her, her husband passing away. Was it being shot down? Yeah. And something. Yeah. Uh, But she's actually, I didn't get her real name, but she's a, she's a SAG actor, uh, which like, that's the, the film union. She's a SAG actor. She's been in the business for 12 years. Yeah. She is She is yeah. not who she says she is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Surprise, surprise. Uh, I will say, you know, again, and we talked about this scene earlier, that when they do have the confrontation scene and Sam does try to out her to Marilyn, uh, that the scene is just done incredibly well. That, that you know, everything about it works so well. And, and even, like, Barbara's like, what are you talking about? I never told you any of this. Like, it, it, it's just really, really well done. And, and, I, will and say, I, I, I will say this about that performance, that scene. Actors have the tendency, when they're lying, they play that they're lying. Yep. It's almost like a little wink-wink to the camera. And Liz Vassy does not do that at all in this scene. You totally believe her in this scene. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's great. You know, it it, it really does work quite well. Um, (laughs) It gets a little undercut by what what happens later, in my opinion, but we'll get to that. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Uh, so, So Dennis is fired. Yeah. By the end of the scene, Marilyn tells him to get out. And where do we go from here? You know, it's I'm you. You said that, and I was just looking because I completely forgot myself. Uh, and maybe that's all we need to say about this episode. Sure, uh, <laughs> I, I think from here, like we 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 go from uh, Marilyn kind of drinking herself into oblivion that night, not showing up for rehearsal for uh, the Mustangers, which is the original name of the movie. Uh, in this version, um, right? She doesn't show up for a rehearsal the next day, and Barbara is on her way, complete with a story about Marilyn is indisposed today, and she sent me. I know the lines. I can be the stand-in for rehearsal today, um, and uh, uh, John John Houston. He he is patient, like she's her own special thing. Like I think she's like. She has her own schedule or has her own time. I can't remember how exactly how exactly he says it. Uh, John Tremaine Jr., played by Stephen Root, um, who has a long career. Like, like I couldn't place him at the time, but he's you have seen Stephen Root in a lot of things. Uh, yes. He has had a very long, prolific television career. Um, John is patient. Uh, Clark Gable is not. And we get a little wink-wink shot of uh, Mr. Clark Gable. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, this is it's so fascinating to me because when you when you cast when you cast actors that are you know playing very very famous people, and you have especially with Marilyn someone who who's doing it well, like Susan Griffiths, she 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 you know pulls it off in this episode. You know, you have um, Tony Young as John Houston. He does a great job. You know. Uh, Joris Stike uh, plays Peter Lawford. He fits the bill. He doesn't need to do much, but he does it all right. Unfortunately, I feel like Larry Pinnell is just impersonating Clark Gable, that there's nothing else going on here. And and I, you know, you could certainly you could say that he doesn't get, you know, a lot to do or, or whatever. You can say whatever you want. But for me personally, I just... That and the fact that I'm supposed to believe that John Houston is going to allow this unknown who just happens to be a friend of Marilyn to be the stand in and that and that what Barbara is doing is going to be enough for them to consider like we don't need Marilyn. We've got her is utter bullshit. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Like to me, like as I was watching the episode today, it's like the only way this would work is if it's somehow like she does become a legitimate threat. But she doesn't. Right. Like all Marilyn has to do by the end of the episode, which by so we get a scene of, of Sam getting her out of bed. Um uh there's a moment where like like he, he pulls a blanket back and she's uh even though you can see her bra, she is clearly supposed to be naked and she makes some line like you're not looking away now and he's like I can't remember what he says, but basically, like, you know, this is too important right now. I'm trying to get through to you. Uh, right. Gets her up, gets her drinking coffee, gets her looking at the script. Uh, because Barbara right now is is, is there taking your part. Um, and, like, th- there's no fight. Like, all Marilyn has to do is walk in and be Marilyn and turn it on. And that's the end of Barbara. Yeah. And that's it. And that's it. And that's all. What I what I do love. There's a scene earlier where where Barbara serves Marilyn orange juice, and that comes back around in this in this scene when yeah. she comes in. She's reading the lines. Her and Clark Gable start having a moment, and she dismisses Barbara simply by saying, "Give me some orange juice." Yeah, and that's it. And we don't even see and, and and like from that like Barbara just fades in the background. She gets her stuff, and we don't even she doesn't even get a dramatic exit. Like you don't even see her like walking out. Well, and the thing, the other thing is too, is it's like, I, I, I'm left with questions about what happens to Barbara because it's like Barbara turns into like the, 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 you know, the Mr. Potter of this episode, you know, Mr. Potter and it's a wonderful life never gets any comeuppance. Barbara never gets any comeuppance either. Like I'm supposed to believe that Marilyn just walking in and basically shoving Barbara off set is enough to be like, there's the door, honey, you're done for like, what's this, what? is to say that, like, Barbara's not going to try something else, that she's not going to... She knows where Marilyn lives, clearly. She's going to hide in the bushes and strangle her. You know what I mean? Like, what... Like, there's nothing... I'm not saying that that's going to happen, obviously, but, like... No, that's, that's, n- that's not. That's not. We don't... We don't get, like, any sure. kind of, like... Al doesn't even give us a, like, you know, Barbara goes back to Tyrone, which doesn't exist. I don't know. There's nothing. There's just nothing. <laughs> She's like, goes, she goes back and she establishes. She founds Tyrone, Ohio. <laughs> 
she becomes the mayor of Tyrone, Ohio. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just unfortunate that there's nothing that there's nothing doing here. And I guess that sure we can make up for ourselves that you know once Marilyn kicks her to the curb, that that's it. She's done for. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it's also weird to me too because at this particular like again the episode takes a lot of liberties with with historical accuracy but it is too bad that you know we we're through the lens we're seeing these these famous people and basically all of them are in the al camp of just seeing these women as objects yep and from everything that i've read and everything that i know by this point in his career and this point in his life clark gable was not into womanizing he was not into he you know like i don't think in fact everything i know about Clark gable is if he would have turned around and seen you know barbara whitmore instead of marilyn monroe there he probably would have looked at john houston and said john i'm gonna go home call me when marilyn gets here you know or we'll do this another day sure and so it's odd because i'm not gonna sit here and you know oh i can't believe what they did to clark gable or peter lawford or john houston or whatever it's it's a TV show. They can take their liberties. Don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. Whatever. At the same time, it just feels lazy. It just feels lazy. Yeah. In, instead of you know, instead of instead of trying to figure out how this thing works, they just try to make it work. Sure. And and that's the thing that kind of turns me off from it a bit. Yeah. I agree. But then we get the twist. We get the knife. At the end yeah. of the episode. And we come to find out she makes one more picture. The title has changed because of something that Sam says earlier. It's going to be called The Misfits now. And that she dies of a drug overdose when our history says she dies. August 5th, 1962. Uh, which I misremembered. I thought she died only a few months later. Um, I didn't realize it was a full two years later. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And it's like... You know what you said earlier, like Sam said, so I kept her alive just for one more picture. And and I was like, yeah, but what a picture. I know. Fuck's sake. Come on, people. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, honestly, his line, there's some things you can't fix. Yeah. Like, th- that should have just been the end of it. Mm-hmm. And then Sam's, you know, you telling me I saved her life so she could be in one last picture. Al's, but what a picture. Like, how did that not get crossed out? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let's oh. get him on the phone. I've gotten, to the, I've gotten to the point in the episode where I'm just pissed off that it wasn't a better episode. So I got you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and so, uh, and so we get to the leap. Uh, Sam leaps out. Little kid comes in the bedroom, screams. Uh, Sam is in a furry suit. Could be Bigfoot. Could be. Now, here's, when I was a kid, I actually thought maybe he leaped into Bigfoot. And this was just their bad attempt at, like, yeah. a Bigfoot costume? And that was a good... Me, cause I was, <laughs> that would have been like, on par for season five. That would have been, because I was just like, because, like, yeah, just watching the teaser, I'm like, is it possible that maybe he, yeah, like, that, like he leaped into Bigfoot, and that's the Bigfoot costume? I don't know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Why, why not? Why, why not? Um... But we'll get into it next episode. Uh, the Beast Within is notable because it's our last normal, non-gimmick 
straightforward episode of yes. the series. Yep. Now, had he actually leapt into Bigfoot, it could have just been another gimmick episode. That would have been, been so... Season five. <laughs> they could have done it. If they had the budget, they would have done it. Oh, yeah. But yeah. yeah. It's interesting to note, too, that the, that the boy's name is Samuel, which I... which That's, which I, you know, yeah. Especially after the last leap in, we had the dentist... Now we get a Samuel. Samuel. I mean, yeah, I know the main character's name is Sam, but I'm just saying. But we're getting we're getting, we're getting we're getting names dropped all over. We're the place. getting we're getting name dropped all over the place. Um, Nowhere else, just just our little podcast. But hey, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. No <laughs> shit. Uh, so a couple of things, real quick, just to note. You know, uh, um, yeah, Marilyn Monroe was born Norma Jean Mortensen. There's actually an E at the end of Jean, uh, so it's basically misspelled here in the. Yeah. The title, um, which is on par, uh, unless of course they were just brilliant and decided that this was an alternate universe, and so by dropping the E, they no, never mind. Sure, yeah. Uh, the goodbye, Norma Jean, of course, is a reference to uh, Elton John's song "Candle in the Wind." The first words are, you know, "Goodbye, Norma Jean." Mm-hmm. Though I never knew you at all. Um, Norma Jean Mortensen was born June first, nineteen twenty-six. Uh, as you just mentioned, uh, died August 4th, 1962, at the age of 36. Um, you know, it's easy enough to to read all about her life, but, uh, you know, basically by the time, you know, her husband uh, shipped out to the Pacific in, in April of 1944, uh, she immediately started, um, you know, modeling, and, and that moved on to films, and, and eventually she... You know, had a breakthrough and, and became the Marilyn Monroe that we know. There's plenty of books, there's plenty of movies, there's the Wikipedia page. You can find out just about everything you possibly could want to know about uh, Miss Marilyn Monroe. Um, there was an article I read recently that actually was, you know, kind of talking about the opioid epidemic and um, actually name checked Marilyn Monroe because, of course, you know, her, her death. Uh, contributing factor to her death were, of course, opioids. Now, this was in 1962 when no one, you know, batted an eye really about these things. But, um, yeah, obviously uh, the manner of her death and the the alcohol and and drug dependency that she faced is something that, of course, all too many people face. And, you know, if if you yourself have uh, uh, any questions, I would urge you to, you know, just hop into the Google um, you know, make the call, uh, reach out to a friend, a family member. Uh, but in this instance, of course, um, regardless of what Sam did, Marilyn Monroe did die, um, in 1962 due to a, I guess you don't call it drug overdose, do you? You just call it suicide. I guess so. Yeah. I'd forgotten that. Like I said, I'm wrapping my head around that because I just always assumed accidental Me too. yeah me too uh another little piece of trivia that we neglected to mention actually is that um scott bacula had portrayed joe dimaggio uh, yep. on broadway in a play um joe dimaggio of course was married to marilyn monroe he was the one that actually paid for her funeral and her headstone um, after wow. her death they had actually apparently become friendly in in the, the last uh, few months of her life um you know he was trying to kind of help her get get back on track um, 
Yeah, uh, she was married three times. James Doherty was her first husband uh, before she became Marilyn Monroe. Joe DiMaggio, of course, married her in 1954, and then Arthur Miller married her in 1956. They were married for five years. Uh, that marriage apparently went through all sorts of ups and downs and estrangements, and surprisingly sure. enough, the reason that they got divorced was not, you know, her cheating on him, it was him cheating on her. Um, so, so there, there you go. As much as Al wants to say that, you know, no one would have ever kicked Marilyn to the curb, that is exactly what Arthur Miller basically did. So, mm. there you have it. Yeah. Uh, what's, uh, this might be inappropriate, I don't know, but it, it's like, no, no matter how hot you are, there is always someone who is tired of your shit. There you go. <laughs> that is, it is, it is so true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think overall for me, this episode, you know, when you do wade into these waters, um, about a, a pop culture icon, uh, someone who, uh, was synonymous with a, a specific time and, um, a, a, an overt representation of sexuality, um, while also, you know, being, uh, an actor of quality, um, and someone who, you know, as cliched as it sounds, uh, meant a lot to a lot of people for a variety of reasons. I think that there's a certain care with which you have to approach that, um, and I would say that they missed the mark and the unfortunate thing is they didn't miss it by much it's one of those things where sometimes when you're looking for the bullseye and you miss the target completely you just kind of shrug your shoulders and say well we never had a chance but when you when you when you actually stick it on the target but you're still not at that bullseye it's almost more frustrating because you were so damn close sure yeah and i just think that the episode just i don't know i I'm not saying that I don't like the All About Eve storyline with Barbara. I'm not saying that I don't like Sam trying to save her from an overdose. It's just when you mix all these pieces together, it's just not the stew I'm looking for. (laughs) (laughs) That is such a Dan Ratherism right there. (laughs) I will take that as a compliment, sir, because Dan Rather is awesome. (laughs) True. I was just like, yeah. Uh, Yeah, when I first started watching the episode this morning, um, you know, I was reflecting on, um, so we talked about like last episode, uh, watched Timeless about a month ago, burned through that. And almost every episode of Timeless, they encounter someone famous or someone from history. Uh, and now we're rewatching the series because, uh, surprisingly, Betsy has gotten into it. Um, and so, like, rewatching this episode today is like, oh, maybe I, I always have such a bias against the, uh, the celebrity episodes of Quantum Leap because it goes against what they originally set out to do. Yeah, but with sure. the lens of like watching Timeless, I'm like, all right, I'm going to give this episode a new chance, a fresh start, get rid of that bias. How do I like that episode? Right. And then about halfway through Sam's opening monologue, I was like, nah, this is shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, and the other thing is, too, is I know we've got the Elvis episode coming up. And, you know, here's the thing. They went full bore because if there's two pop culture icons in 1993 that you were going to use as you know to as gimmicks, there I mean there are there was nobody bigger than than Elvis Presley and Marilyn Monroe. Oh. You know you couldn't have chosen anyone else, um, and you you already did Lee Harvey Oswald and JFK. You know to start off with, um, so it's like it's 
Yeah. I don't know. And uh, it just, it feels to me like because it was a rule that they had, that they never really thought about how to write these types of stories in a way that would be satisfying. Sure. And, and so instead, it just became a case of somebody in the writer's room saying like, I got it, just like you said earlier, let's do Marilyn Monroe. And then they just went and wrote an episode. Yeah. There was no more thought given to it. And, 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 and it's, and it ends up being the same with, with Elvis, honestly. Sure. I don't know. Um, I've always liked the Elvis episode. It'll be, I think the Elvis episode is more fun. Yeah. It'll be interesting to revisit. And now it's like, and I I made these comparisons on, on the show before I'm wrapping my head around the fact that the Elvis episode took place in 1993 and Elvis passed away in only 1977. And like when I was a kid, I thought of Elvis had being passed away forever because he died before I was born. But no, that was only 16 years. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think the mistake that the Elvis episode that it, it does not make that the Maryland episode makes is that as soon as you make it about the death, nothing, yeah. el- nothing else in the episode matters. Right. Well, because you're just left, you're left feeling wholly unsatisfied by the end of the episode because you can't help but wonder, like, why in the world, like, because they never firmly establish, in the original history, Marilyn Monroe died on April the 8th, 1960. Because it's never really just 100% established, this is what happens, this is, you know, that that nothing else, you know, and, and because there's no, Ziggy thinks that you're here to keep her alive in order to make this movie. Because somebody knew that that was a weak-ass reason to keep somebody alive. Oh, yeah, God, yeah. You know, it's... Like, I would have almost rather the episode taken place on August 4th, 1962, and Sam fail. Again, you know what I mean? Like, Sam do everything he could to try to keep her alive. Sure. But at the end of the day, she goes into her bedroom, locks the bedroom door, you know... Sam doesn't know that that's what's happening. By the time he finds out, it's already too late. They're standing outside the door. Al has the some things you just can't fix line, and he leaps out. Like, that, to me, I, I would almost rather that have happened than this, you yeah. know? I um, be- I agree with that. Because it's, it's, just, it's just hard to accept this as, as the fairy tale that I think we want it to be. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I know, yeah. We're deep into season five. They were doing whatever they possibly could to bring viewers in. I, you <laughs> yeah. know, I guess I can't fault them too much. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Sorry to drag two episodes in a row. Uh, next week, I think we have a lot of good stuff to talk about with Beast Within. So I'm looking, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Uh, looping it back around, uh, wrapping up notes. You, uh, you talked about maybe getting into Timeless the last time we talked. Have you dove into that yet? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not, I a, will. It's I all will. good. No, 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 no. No pressure. Because once it becomes homework, then then you'll never watch it. So, <laughs> Right, right. No, it definitely doesn't feel like that. I am looking forward to it. It's just something that I haven't done yet. I, I, there were a few other things that I was, you know, watching. I started rewatching The West Wing. Um, Why would so you do I've that to yourself? Been, Why? Been, I know, right? Why? Right? <laughs> yeah. Because I like to cry myself to sleep at night. Um it's such a brilliant show. Like yeah. it's one of those things when, you know, even, even I've seen it probably five or six times and rewatching it as I'm watching it, it's just sort of like, I just, there's, there are a few things that have ever been this good on TV, like period. 
and 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 to think that it was on the air at the same time as the sopranos like there was a time there where 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 we as television viewers were graced with both the west wing and the sopranos that is that's true and the first 3 seasons of the sopranos were fantastic and the first 4 seasons of the west wing can't be beat so i know and even like the last uh the last 4 seasons or whatever 3 seasons of the west wing they're not great but they're still better than uh, than a lot of other stuff you see on TV. So absolutely, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, I'm sending you a West Wing a West Wing related thing here. I'll just send that to you privately. Uh, so someone did a did a tweet thread. It was like a long tweet thread. Basically, they just wrote a mini episode of how Jed Bartlett replies to Trump getting COVID. Oh dear God! And, and he calls all of the old team in for a meeting. <laughs> to discuss whether or not he should release a statement about it. Yeah, that's lovely. That um, is absolutely lovely. Um, yeah, my God. How fortunate are we that in this time of just insanity in our country that we can sit here and we can record this podcast and that we can talk about something that we love because in spite of some of the things that we've had to say the past couple of weeks on this podcast about the last two episodes, we do love 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 the show and um you know it's too bad that uh the last season could not have been stronger the the one thing is is that like season four feels like a lot of the episodes were just kind of living in this sort of mediocrity you know like you'd watch an episode and it's just like okay that was an episode and i feel like in season five because of all the different things that they're trying there are so many of these episodes that are frustrating because of how good they could be. There are some great ideas. There are some great scenes. There's like half of a great episode here, half of a great episode there, but they're undercut by these just huge blunders, which I feel like is a combination of, you know, not knowing how to navigate the new waters that they found themselves in, you know, hoping for a season six, realizing that they were on the bubble, you know, that all of these things were kind of contingent on whether or not they could pull off something new and different and exciting. And it just didn't, didn't happen. That I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. Well, anyway, anyway, so that was, (laughs) yeah. Listeners, that was goodbye. Norma Jean. Jean. Putting a little extra emphasis on that, that that missing E at the end there. Uh, and next time, next episode, we'll be talking about, uh, the beast within. Yes. Four, four yes, more indeed. episodes left. To that one. Four more TV episodes left, and then we'll, we'll, we'll carve our way forward to, to start doing the, the comics and the novels. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be strange. It's going to be strange finishing the show, but man, we are, we are so close right now. It's going to be. We're going to have to figure out a way to get some old guest stars back on and, and send the show off with, uh, with a plum. We're gonna we're gonna think about it. think about this man. There's gonna be a presidential election, probably around the time we finish up. Oh God! And it's a time that I sincerely hope we will not be wishing that Sam Beckett could come back and change some people's minds at the voting booth. <laughs> oh God! Yes, I hope so. I know. On that lovely note, thank you for sticking with us this long, listeners, through this episode and through the years. And we will see you. Thank you all so much. We will see you next time for for Beast Within. The Beast Within. Bye.
See you later. Close.